Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? Oh, that's what's up. Okay, sorry. Hey, guys over there who are who are wait. What's up, One Church? My name is Carlo. I get to be one of the teaching pastors here. We are continuing our series all about the Benjamins. Now, you might be confused because we just did a series called uh, uh, "Be Rich," but see what had happened was like we. Um, See, Pastor Chris and I, we, you know, do the sermon calendar and all that, and we really wanted to do Be Rich, and so we had this series all about the Benjamins set up, and it was a three-part series, and then we really wanted to do Be Rich, and so Be Rich talked about generosity, and so uh, we took the calculated risk to do a money talk that would really bum you out. Pastor Chris talked about how to uh, move beyond living paycheck to paycheck. Many of you were uh, convicted and frustrated, and all the good stuff we want from a money talk, right? And of course, Pastor Chris nailed it. Go to the One Church app or online to catch up on that message, and then we took a break uh, just to, to relieve some of the tension, right? We took a break, and we talked about generosity for three weeks through Be Rich. Well, now for the next two weeks, we're going to jump back into this All About the Benjamin series and wrap up uh, this little talk on money. Uh, well, the reason we're doing this talk about money is because we're looking at the power the almighty dollar has over us. You know, as a culture, we tend to work really hard to get money, and then we spend that money uh, faster, and then we say, where did my cash go? And, it, and it's a frustrating thing for us, especially in this time of the year. And the reason we talk about it, uh, especially during this season, the reason we're talking about it is because every single one of us deals with money on a daily basis, right? Every single one of us. Yes, even you in, in, in the up corner back up there who might be a little broke, you deal with money, right? A lack of it. Either way, we all deal with money, and so we can't eat without it. We can't pay our bills without it. We can't travel without it. Um, and more than all of that, it's almost impossible for us to be generous, for us to be for someone else if our money has a hold of us, if we're constantly struggling in that area. So this series, please hear us, this series, uh, the first part of this series, and Be Rich, and the last two messages in this series are not about something that one church wants from you. This is all about what we want for you. This is stuff, practical stuff we want to help you out, give, give to you so that you can then go be generous and you can live life and, and not deal with the stress that comes from financial nonsense. So again, in part one of this series, Pastor Chris talked about how to move beyond living paycheck to paycheck. This week, we're going to look at the secret of contentment. We'll be in Philippians chapter four in the New Testament, and we'll get there in just a few minutes. I've shared this with some of you. Those of you who know me really well know there are a few things that I really, really love. I love Jesus. I love my family. I love jujitsu. And I love sour worms. Sour worms. Not sour gummies. Not little sour discs. Not sour sharks, although those are acceptable if, if times are tough and tight, right? I love sour worms. I cannot get enough of these sour worms. Now, while you're sitting there, you know, with your nice, you know, 30-inch waist in judgment, I know they're bad for me. Relax. I know that. I get that. Uh, they're not the best thing for me, especially if I eat more than uh, one or, or five or an entire bag, right? I just, I can't get enough of them. Pringles, you know, Pringles chips, they had that slogan back in the day, once you pop, you can't stop. You guys remember? Lay's, Lay's used to dare us. I bet you can't just eat one, right? I think the creators of the sour worms missed out on a marketing opportunity uh, and, and let Lay's and, and Pringles beat them to the punchline because I feel that way about sour worms. Once I start, I cannot stop. Once I pop that bag open, I cannot stop, and I just cannot eat 
one. I want more and more and more. I'm not content just having one or two or two bags, right? It's, I just, I have to actually tell my wife, please take this bag from me and put it somewhere where I can't see it, or I'm going to sit here right now in the next 20 minutes and probably eat way more sugar and whatever else it is they put in those things uh, than anyone should ever do. Maybe you're here and you hate sour worms, but don't act like you weren't this way when it came to your Thanksgiving meal you just ate, Right? You're not content with just one trip. You make two trips and three trips. And yes, I know no one really needs to eat five different types of pie in one sitting, but they're there. And I want to be a good manager of the, the blessing God has given me. So let me go get a fifth trip up there. Right? You know what I'm talking about. We eat ourselves into a coma because we just want one more. Just one more. One more won't hurt. Have you found yourself in your life constantly on the hunt for more? for more. More friends, more likes, more money, more stuff. You look around in life and you just feel, if I only had blank, then life would be good. If I only had this thing, then everything could change. If I just took one more class, then I would be ready to go out and help people and serve people. If I just had more knowledge, if I just had more information, if I just had one more. And here's the truth. Once you start, it's really hard to stop. Once you start down that road of discontentment, of always wanting something else, it's really hard to stop. And here's a tough truth. There are some things that will never satisfy. Did you know that? Some things will never satisfy. The good news today, spoiler alert, Jesus satisfies, right? You guys, you've been, you already know where that's where we're headed, right? Of course, you know, we can pursue Jesus and chase Jesus and want more of God in our life and want more of God's word and want to be around more God's people. Like, we can pursue that, but there are most of the things that we chase, they really will never satisfy. Once we get a taste of it, we want more and more and more and more. And money is absolutely one of those things in and of itself, it is not bad. But we crave more money because of what money can do for us or what we think money can do for us. It buys us stuff, having lots of money in the bank. For some of us, that equals a sense of security and then I don't have to worry. Having it available gives us a sense of peace. However, if we're not careful with our money, our money can absolutely have us. If we're not careful with our stuff, our stuff can actually take a hold of us. And that's our big idea today. If you don't get a hold of contentment, your money will take hold of you. If you don't get a hold of contentment, your money will take hold of you. Now, how do we know this? Andy Stanley and his great wisdom, you guys who were here for Be Rich, we saw Andy talk uh, in at least two of the messages. He came up with a great list. I think it's a little humorous. I think it's a little judgy, so I'm kind of mad at Andy. Next time I see him, I might have to say, no, I would never say something to him about the list. I'm up here talking trash. No, seriously, it's a good list because it's, it's, it's eight ways that you can tell if your money has a hold of you. Now, I pray that there's people in this room today who can go through this whole eight things and say, well, my money doesn't have a hold of me. I am so awesome. God bless you and your holiness. But for the rest of us, we're going to find ourselves on this list, okay? Here are eight ways you know your money has a hold of you. Number one, if you are spending more money than you make each month, your money has you. If you're spending more than you make each money, each month, excuse me, if you're spending more than you make each month, your money has you. Number two, if you're spending as much as you make each month, guess what? Your money has you. 
Number three, if you don't know how much you're spending each month or how much you make each month, your money has you. By the way, I want to be that kind of baller who doesn't even know how much he makes. Like it just, I just go swim in my Scrooge McDuck bathtub of gold coins, right? Number four, if you have to sacrifice your generosity to make ends meet, your money has you. Let me rephrase that. If you've ever said, I would love to give to that cause, but I can't because I don't have it. Anybody been there? I've been there. This is a safe space, and it's dark anyway. I can't see. I've been there. If you've ever had to say that in your life, your money has you. Number five, married folks. Any married folks in the room today? Married folks, if you are making financial decisions without your spouse knowing about it, your money has you. I'm not talking about the secret gift you're buying for Christmas. I'm not talking about the anniversary trip you're planning. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that Xbox One you just had to have that wasn't in the budget, right? I'm talking about that extra trip to the mall with your friends. If you're making financial decisions without your spouse knowing about it, your money has you. We uncomfortable yet? Blame Andy Stanley. He came up with the list. Number six, if you are buying groceries with a credit card because you have to, your money has you. And I want you to hear that. Because you have to. When I was in the Army, a uh, young private, broke as a joke, barely making $1,000 a month, the United States government in their infinite wisdom gave me a military star card. It's called a DPP card back then for you old school folks. It was a credit card. I didn't know how much the limit was, but I know they gave it to me, right? And I know many a day as a broke private with a young kid at home and a wife, you better believe I did everything I could to go to the PX and find, now what could I buy that we could eat in this PX, right? If you're doing that because you have to, your money has you. Number seven, if you're only making the minimum payments on your credit cards with no plan to get out of debt. Man, it got real quiet. That means your money has you, right? And again, listen to the statement. If you're only making your minimum payments with no what? With no plan. Sometimes that's all you can do. But you got to at least have a plan. Your money has you. And finally, number eight, if you are dreading another teaching series on finances, your money has you, right? I think we're equally offended now, right? We're all, we're all uncomfortable. Are you holding on to your money or is your money holding on to you? Are you holding on to your stuff or is your stuff holding on to you? How do we get into these type of messes financially? I think a lot of it has to do with our quest for more. In our culture, we work like mad at jobs that we hate to buy stuff that we don't need to impress people that we don't like anyway. That's just what we do. It's a lifelong pursuit of buying things and going places and pursuing what we think is happiness. But see, happiness is based on our circumstances, and circumstances change. Eventually, things rust, and places become unwelcoming, and eventually, the, the stuff that we think is going to satisfy, it doesn't satisfy. But standing in stark contrast to that kind of superficial happiness is joy-based contentment. Joy-based contentment. Because joy is not relative. Joy-based contentment is not based on my circumstances. It comes from a deeper place than that. So the Apostle Paul 
great writer of a good chunk of our New Testament, one of the greatest teachers and greatest leaders we see found in history, let alone in the history of the Bible. There was a time in his life where he was in jail. He was in jail a lot of times, but there was a time when he was in jail and wrote a lot of letters. And in one of his most famous letters that he wrote from prison, he really tackles this subject. And it's fascinating that a man behind bars could speak with such authority about possessions and, and, and contentment and all of that stuff. So that's where we're going to hang out for a little bit. It's found in the book of Philippians in your New Testament. It's on the screen or in the, the YouVersion app, Bible app, if you have it on your phone. Let's look at what he says. From, from jail, he's in Philippi, which is in Greece, modern-day Greece. Here's what he says, starting in verse 10. Paul says, I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. So he's writing to a church that he helped start. So he's in jail, and he's writing to this church that's based in Greece. He says, I praise the Lord that you were concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I ever need, need it, for I have learned how to be what? Content with whatever I have. I have learned to be content. Say that. I have learned to be content. One more time. I have learned to be content. Here's the good news. If you struggle with contentment, you can learn how to be content. And if we read this too fast, we think, here's another preacher up on his high horse going to lecture me about my money and my stuff. Maybe picture yourself in that early church of Philippi getting this letter. Here goes Paul again telling us how holy he is. No, what does he tell them? I learned how to be content. He says, I learned it. I think that shows that Paul is saying this is not easy. This is not natural. However, it's necessary if we want to avoid having our stuff take a hold of us. If we want to avoid the trap that comes with pursuing things, we have to be careful. What's really important, too, is in this context, Paul is speaking against a philosophy that is absolutely oozed back into our modern culture. In Stoic philosophy, people would, when they would go a long time without, uh, with a lack in their life, or they would go a long time uh, in need of something, they would develop this sort of self-sufficiency, and then that self-sufficiency would kind of be the new lord of their life, because their thinking was, hey, if things are out of my control, I shouldn't worry about that anyway, which that's not a bad line of thinking. But the problem with that Stoic view is that it becomes all about self sufficiency based on what I can do and based on what I can provide. And so Paul's speaking against that line of thinking. And I've seen it in our culture today. So many people fall prey to this reasoning. I have everything in me to figure everything out. There are people who think that they don't need help, they don't want help, and they would rather starve than admit that they need anybody's help. You know anyone like that? If you don't, you might be that person. I'm just letting you know. Self-sufficiency is not the answer either, and that's what Paul is speaking. Look at verse 12. Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the what? Secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. Just saying the phrase empty stomach put some of y'all in your feelings this morning, right? Hungry. Paul said, I've learned the secret, and here's the secret, verse 13, for I can do everything through who? Through Christ who gives me strength. Paul said, I've learned the secret of how to be content with everything or with nothing. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. Have you heard that verse before? Sure you have if you've watched a football game, right? 
see some guy score a touchdown and say, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Here's the problem. Contextually, this has nothing to do with playing football. It has nothing to do with your ability to do something. You cannot do everything through Christ who strengthens you. Some of y'all said, oh, man, he's blaspheming. You don't believe me? Go try to jump off this roof through Christ who strengthens you, right? I'm just, lest you stone me for being a heretic, meet me outside after church and let's slap bump and get into a jujitsu match and let's see if you can really do everything through Christ who strengthens you. Unless your name is Jimmy Lancaster, I know what you're not going to do, right? Win that battle. You can't do everything through Christ. That's not what Paul's saying. We can't take this out of context and go down into this wild way of thinking about that verse, right? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is no matter what goes on around him, he can keep moving forward because his contentment isn't found in things. His security isn't found in money. His peace isn't found in who's visiting him in jail or who's not visiting him in jail. Paul says his victory, that's contentment in spite of his circumstances, comes from putting his faith in Christ who strengthens him. And when you look at it like Paul is actually teaching it, guess what? You can do everything through Christ who strengthens you. The everything is you can endure. You can be content. You can find hope. You can find peace. You can find fulfillment through Christ who strengthens you. However, it's not easy because fighting our hearts. We want to pursue Jesus on one hand, but fighting with us is our desire for more. I call it an unholy discontentment. We live in a culture of hustle. Believe me, I'm all about hard work and hustle and, and putting in a full day's work and all of that. And, and I think diligent hard work is even an act of worship. I think it's a way, great way to honor God. However, what's the bottom line of our hustle? When is enough enough? See, in the Hebrew scriptures known as the Old Testament, this man who lived, he was the richest ruler of his day, wisest king ever. His name was Solomon. Have you heard of Solomon? Here's what Solomon says about it in verse 10 of Ecclesiastes 5. Solomon says, those who love money will what? Say it again. Never have enough. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Now, it's easy to sit on the sidelines with all of the broke people and throw that kind of judgment, right? But this is the richest man who ever lived in his time saying how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Is that not the truth? I think the great prophet, the notorious B.I.G. said, mo money, mo problems, right? The more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it what? Slip through your fingers. Solomon is like being really shady right here, but it's, it's true. If your money is slipping through your fingers, then you definitely don't have a hold of it. And Paul said the secret to contentment is confidence in Christ who gives strength. That all sounds good, but how do we live it out? What do we do with this? How do we look, look at three steps towards contentment? First one is this. Don't stress, confess. Don't stress, confess. Let's look back at Paul's writings in Philippians 4. Paul says in verse 6 of Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. That's how we say it in Tampa, Florida. Don't pray about everything. Everything. Tell God what you need 
and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in who? Christ Jesus. There's Paul using that language again, through Christ, in Christ. Discontentment comes from the stress of pressures that are outside of us, usually some type of financial pressure. It comes from anxiety. It comes from worry. I see people all the time, colleagues who are racing to climb the ladder of success. They're worried about where they are, so they hustle and they chase after more. Instead of doing that, what if we just told God what we need, not what we want? We told God what we need, and then we thanked him for doing it. He promises us a peace that a 52-inch TV will never fill. He promises us joy that a new iPhone will never give us. So don't stress, confess. Second thing is this, shift your mind when it comes to stuff. Many of us, we need to have a mental shift when it comes to stuff. Look at verse 8. Here's what Paul says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your what? As you think, you behave. Fix your thoughts on what is true honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What does that look like practically? Well, is it true that a bigger TV is always going to make you happy? It might until you get your CDE bill, right? Is it honorable to consistently shortcut your responsibilities for the instant gratification of the newest gadget? Is it right to let the convenience of eating out blow through your budget? Is it pure to steal from your company or cheat on your taxes because you spent too much money on a new car? Is it lovely or admirable to always be upside down financially with no plan to dig yourself out? That's what we got to shift our minds when it comes to stuff. Listen, I'm not up here on a high horse this morning with everything figured out financially and telling you, follow me because I'm perfect. Because I'm not. My parents did not model for me uh, financial responsibility for me or for my siblings. Can anyone relate to that? My parents did not show me the best ways to handle money and things. In fact, they showed me a lot of the wrong ways to handle money and stuff. I know what it's like to climb out of debt. And just like that, have a stupid decision plunge me right back into the very thing that I just got out of. You know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I know what it's like to lose a job and take a massive pay cut. I know what it's like to be on WIC. I know that sting of having to use an, a, 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 an EBT card to buy groceries. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've been there. I know what it's like to do, dodge that call from that creditor once or twice, right? That's the, that's the modern version of I'm not home. You remember we used to hide from the Jehovah Witness when they knock on the door. Now you just hit ignore on your phone, that number you don't recognize. I've been there. I'm sitting up here with an iPhone, an iPad, and an Apple Watch. I am not anti-stuff, right? I'm not that guy today. I really want you to hear my heart. I'm not that guy. But here's what I know. I know what it's like to have my money take hold of me. I know what it's like because of my own lack of contentment to be pulled away from God's best for my life. However, I also know the peace of God that comes from trusting in Jesus, the joy that comes from seeking God's way, from hard work and God's grace working together to help turn financial situations around. I am far from perfect, 
But I do know if I chase Jesus and do things his way and do things God's way, instead of chasing stuff, I'm going to be okay. And that same promise is for you. You could be here overwhelmed financially. I'm telling you, that same promise is true for you. Do things God's way, chase Jesus, and I promise you, you're going to be okay. Look at verse 9 of Philippians 4. Paul says, well, don't stress. We need to don't stress. We need to confess. Shift our mind when it comes to stuff. And then we need to put away greed and practice contentment. Here's what verse 9 says. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. That's an awesome promise that Paul is giving. Practice what you've seen me doing in my pursuit of contentment, and the God of peace will be with you. It's an awesome promise that comes from doing things God's way. Put away greed. Put away greed. Here's what greed will lead you to, eating a two-pound bag of sour worms in one setting. Real talk. Greed will lead you to spend more money than you have on a new phone just because it's new. Don't you hate that when the new phone comes out? It makes yours feel like this ancient, you know, just piece of junk. I know every time a new phone comes out, a new iPad comes out, I'm like, what is this, you know, 20th century piece of, you know, ball and chain I have? Instead of greed, practice contentment. Practice contentment. Practice implies it's something we have to keep doing, right? That's why it's called practice. And here's what Paul says about practicing contentment in one of his very last letters that he wrote before he dies in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is what Paul teaches. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us and we came, when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. You ever heard that saying, you can't take it with you? There you go. It's in the Bible. Verse 8. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be what? Content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Mo' money, mo' problems, right? That's the Carlo International version of what Paul just said. You crave money, you wander from true faith and pierce yourself with many sorrows, many problems when we don't practice contentment. Paul, in one of his last letters, last teachings, he could have taught about anything. He could have shared any truth with Timothy, his disciple. And what does he tell him? Listen, here's great wealth, godliness with contentment. That's how we do it. If we have enough Learn to be content. The love of money. I know Pastor Chris talked about this in in part one. The love of money is what's wrong. Money in and of itself is not bad. Money is an inanimate object. It's what we do with it. It's how our heart is postured towards it. That's what gets us into trouble. Some of y'all are like, man, why couldn't y'all preach this last week before I went out and did what I did on Black Friday? It's all good. Jesus loves you. There's no judgment here, right? It's never too late to be who you could have been, right? How can you have it all without all of the stuff? How can I have it all without all of the stuff? I think I have to start with contentment. If I start with contentment, I can have it all. Peace, joy, fulfillment, without having all the baggage that comes with all of the stuff. How how comfortable are you after a talk like this? If you're like me, you want to get up and leave as quickly as possible, right? 
because I know this is an area of improvement for my own life. Pastor Chris talked about that, you know, uh, earlier. I want the freedom to be more generous. I don't want to be held hostage by money. What can we do to get a hold of contentment? I think here's what we can do. Here's how we live this out today, and then I'm done. First thing we got to do is we got to prioritize needs versus wants. Prioritize needs versus wants. This is how we live it out. Now, parents, you're really good at talking to your kids about this. Hear what, hear what Paul said to us, right? We need to prioritize needs versus wants. Practice contentment by delaying gratification. Practice contentment by delaying gratification. We're microwave culture. We're used to having it fast and right now. And I believe it was Dave Ramsey who said a huge issue we have is that people in this current generation, like my generation, we want what it took our parents 40 years to get. We wanted at 25. They didn't get it till they were 45. We've lost the art of patience. We've lost the art of just work and steadfast and hustle, and you'll get there immediately. And instead, we're 23 and wonder why life, we don't have it all figured out yet, right? We're 30 and wonder, well, why don't I have this and why can't I go there? We got to practice contentment by delaying gratification. Good things come to those who wait. That's not in the Bible, but it sounds good, right? I think it is good. Practice contentment. So prioritize your needs versus your wants. Some of you this week, you need to make a list. What do I need versus what do I want? What do I need versus what do I want? When you're thinking about what to buy for Christmas and do your gifts and shower people with love, and man, it's awesome to give gifts during gift-giving time, but do it through the lens of needs versus wants. It's okay to give somebody what they want for Christmas or to have a here's what I really want, but what we can't do is translate that want into a need. Because here's what you don't need. You don't need a 60-inch TV that's in 3D and talks back to you. No one needs that. It's awesome to have, right? But you don't need that. I promise you, you shift your mind just a little bit in that, and it'll help you. Second thing is this. Plan, plan, and plan. How do you live out contentment? you got to plan. Plan. you got to budget. If you're in debt, practice a debt snowball. If we're familiar with that debt snowball is, I'm going to pay off this smallest balance and then take that payment, add to the next thing, take that, add to the next thing. It's a quick way to get out of debt, eliminate debt. Increase your education. You say, man, I'm really struggling. Go to school. Increase your education. Get a better job, right? Work two jobs. Work three jobs. For some of you, that's the trick. Did you know that? I really need more income. You need a better job. So let's talk. Work it out, but have a plan, right? Whatever you do, just don't be stuck there. Bear, you got a plan, you got a plan, you got a plan. Because again, like Dave Ramsey says, if you don't tell your money where to go, it's going to go wherever it wants to. You got a plan. And then finally, and most importantly, pursue generosity every day. Pursue generosity every day. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Nothing leads to contentment like being a blessing to other people. You might not be able to put $25 into a Starbucks gift card, but you could put five. You might not have the $5, but you could write an amazing note and show some generosity in another awesome way to help someone or bless someone. Pursue generosity every day. Nothing leads to contentment. That, there's great science to back that up. The joy of giving. Contentment is found in giving ourselves away, being a blessing to other people. And here's an awesome truth from Paul, this man in jail. 
when it comes to all this. Verse 18 of Philippians 4, here's what he says. At this moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. If you don't get a hold of contentment, your money will take hold of you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for providing for us. We're going to say it so many times in the next couple months, but we do thank you that you loved us so much that you gave. You gave Jesus. You gave of yourself. God, you sacrificed everything that we might have life. I pray for anyone in this room, God, who is truly struggling with their money. They're struggling with with stuff, God, that they would find freedom in you, that they would find peace in you. They would find fulfillment in you. Instead of chasing after the latest and the greatest, God, we would pursue you in your way. And I know when we do that, We bring our junk to you. You promise us your peace that passes all understanding. If there's a person here who's not even taking a step towards following you today, that this would be the moment. They would say, God, I'm tired of blowing it. I'm tired of going my own way. I'm going to choose to trust you with my life. God, I know I've messed up. I know I have this need, and I know that you can fulfill it. God, I pray for everyone in this room. They put their hope. They put their trust in you. We love you, and we thank you, God, that you can do so much more with our stuff than we ever could. So more than all, help us to be generous, especially in this season of giving, especially as we're turning the, the, the page on November, moving right into December. God, help us to be people who have that generosity in mind, being for others like you were for us. We love you in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. We